G'day, this is Lisa Testa, and you're listening to another episode in Surviving the Legal System with a Psychopath in Australia. Today we're talking about costs and what the differences are. Costs can be awarded against any party, and circumstances dictate what these are made up of. You'll often see at the end of of a hearing, it doesn't have to be a trial, it can be anything, Um, you might hear the judge say costs are reserved. And that just means that the judge has noted the application for costs and will decide at a later date if it's brought up. So you have to apply for costs and those costs then um, are are heard, You, you mount a case for costs, yeah, and then the judge will decide whether your case gets up or not. Now, in family law, it's pretty much each party, it is, it's a jurisdiction like in VCAP where every party bears their own costs. So you, you hear everybody, you know, they, they, they fling around, I'm going to apply for costs, I'm going to seek costs, we'll apply for costs in that application, we'll get costs here, we'll get costs there, we'll get costs everywhere. Sounds like a square dance. Um, costs are very, very difficult to get in family law unless you have the most fucked up application you can think of. <clears throat> so I had a case um, where... Um, a party filed a contravention application and the application was dismissed in its entirety. And that happens a lot. Happens a lot. Contraventions don't get up as much as people think they do Um, and they get dismissed out of hand a lot of the time. So if, if an application is dismissed out of hand and the other side ask for costs, then the judge may reserve costs. That just means that they'll think about it if there's a full application made for costs to be considered in your case. It's not something that you really have to worry about unless that becomes um, a cost order against you. You really don't want to get costs awarded against you. You want to be running a case where you have... um, a pretty good, um, you want to make sure that you've got a pretty good idea of whether you're going to get your application up or not. Having something dismissed doesn't always mean that your application didn't get up. Sometimes it can just mean that your application wasn't successful because it should be done at trial or, um, the judge has decided that it's not appropriate. Um, that happens a lot with victims, victims who self-represent, and I'm, I'm, I was one of them. Um, we can make applications that might not get up. They might not. They might be dismissed out of hand. And if we don't understand why, it can feel like we're being kicked to the curb. But sometimes it's just a procedural reason, not because the judge does not think that your application doesn't have merit, but simply because they've decided to overrule it. Um, And it may be because 
they get a sense that it's going to be dealt with a trial. I don't know. I'm not a judge. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. So I don't have any, I don't have any hard and fast answers on those, just opinions and observations. But um, there, are, there are pretty much two types of costs orders. There's party party, and that's where the, that's where the court might order costs to be paid um, on an application according to particular rules or schedules. So the court might might say that they're going to order party party costs and they will refer to a particular fee schedule. So you can they, there are um, there are scale fees set for every jurisdiction, for every kind of proceeding you can think of. So they may use the scale fees for family law. I think there are different scale fees or schedule fees for the Federal Circuit Court and the Family Court. Um, so it just depends what what court you're in. Um, so party-party costs, are, are, they're, less, they're less painful than indemnity costs. Now, Indemnity costs are—they're—they're they're the painful ones. Now, indemnity costs—they cover all costs that the party reasonably and properly incurred. Now, I use those—I use that though that terminology quite deliberately, reasonably. And properly incurred. Now, just because you get a bill, it does not mean that that's the final bill. Remember, the order must be for costs incurred reasonably and properly. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that say your solicitor refused to communicate with you by email, forcing you into voluminous communication by text message. I've seen it happen. So, um, so if in doubt of the reasonableness and the propriety of the bill that you've been tasked with paying by the firm on a costs order, an indemnity one, you're perfectly entitled to ask for it to be taxed. You're entitled to ask for a taxable bill. You're entitled to ask for um, an explanation as to how they came up with that figure. So let me give you an example. I know someone, because um, I saw the paperwork, who lost a case where there were multiple um, litigants and they had an indemnity order against them for all the parties except the primary one, so the first respondent. So the first respondent um, didn't get costs, but all the other parties did. Now, in this case, the 
parties were all represented by the one law firm. So every affidavit uh, said something like, um, I make this affidavit on behalf of so-and-so and and also um, from my own knowledge. So I think there were five parties and the final bill that was rendered under the cost order was 80000 and and they said 80000 but we'll take 50 Now, that, that bill process dragged out for a couple of years and no one asked for a taxable bill. It was just... We don't know how you came to that conclusion. Could you please clarify? And so after, after I think it, I think it took about a year from from the final we don't understand to the to the the next bill. So the next bill was remember the first one was eighty, and we'll take fifty thousand. The next one came back at five and a half thousand. I can hear your jaw drop. How does a solicitor's bill, how does a firm's bill go from eighty thousand to five and a half, you ask? Very good question. I wondered too. Well, it turned out that they sent it off to a cost consultant and the cost consultant struck off nearly everything that they had done for the four other respondents. Because remember, the first respondent didn't get the cost order, it was only the four other respondents. And so in their assessment, they were unable to separate um, the file between the five respondents. So the majority of the work conducted by the firm was struck off. That's a salient lesson for um, costs and law firms and how they handle matters because if you don't note Um, things very clearly if you don't separate things if you run multiple if you if you look after multiple respondents or plaintiffs or whatever and you don't separate the files and you don't keep things separate um, you might win an indemnity costs order but you might not get your money back and I know in this particular case um the plaintiff offered four and a half thousand in thirty days, and they took it. It was accepted. So, from an eighty thousand dollar bill to four and a half thousand, that that is a firm that could probably be considered a gouger because they thought that they could get away with charging such a, an, ex, an exorbitant amount. And they thought that they could get away with doing what every gouging firm does, which is charge 
charge, charge. So costs are things that you really want to avoid. You want to avoid the probability of getting a cost order and we're going to be talking about how you might get caught in cost orders in the next few podcasts. So keep listening. But there are ways if you get a cost order or even if you just get a fucking whopping great big bill from your solicitor, there are things that you can do to protect yourself but your time limited. So if you're listening to this and you've just got yourself a whopping great big bill, you've only got 30, let's work on 28 days to figure out what you're going to do. So if you need assistance on figuring out what you're going to do, send us a message, okay? Okay.